Welcome to Proudly Resents, the cult movie podcast. If this is the first time you've listened, this show is all about the cult film, the weird movie, the movie that's so bad it's good, that bizarre film you saw late at night once and you're like, hey, do you know that movie? Uh, hopefully I do, and if I don't, I want to hear about it. On this show, we talk to the people who made the movies, the actors, the writers, the directors, and also we review movies that are so bad that they're good with really hilarious comedians, sometimes funny comedians, and podcasters. Check out past episodes. Today, I revisit Sandy Scalaire. Sandy Scalaire was the script supervisor for The Room, and he claims he directed The Room. You can hear his first interview I did with him where he gives a lot of great behind-the-scenes stories, as I did about five years ago. So now I wanted to revisit him and find out what is it like to see yourself on the big screen where it's just out of your control, because this room thing was not something he thought would happen, and now there's somebody, a big movie star, playing him on the big screen. Sandy's of course, has written a book called Yes, I Directed the Room. If you want to hear my original interview with Sandy, or the one I did with Tommy Wiseau, kid who plays Denny, the director of the great room documentary called Room Full of Spoons, you can go to proudlyresents.com, and you'll see on the top, it'll say The Room, and I'll show you all the episodes we did about The Room. And you can go to iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts, and type in Proudly Resents, and you'll see all the different Shows that I split up in different categories. So if you want just episodes on the room, uh, just the interviews we did with people, or just the reviews we did, they're all split up. Thank you so much for listening to the show for all these years. Thanks for listening to it now. Here is the interview. This is probably Zen's amount of speaking. I'm here with Sandy Scalar. We're talking about. His involvement in the room, I'll keep it like that. Of course, the movie Disaster Artist is out. It's a big hit, probably won Oscars and such. But it is about the making of the movie The Room, which Sandy was involved in. And we did an interview about five, six years ago. You were nice enough to do it. You, how, what, what, 10 million people listen to that? I have no idea. But I have had people on every end of this continent. Dude, I listened to you on this Adam Spiegel thing last night. How? And they do. They always... Love that interview, man. You were hilarious. All I did was tell the truth. The truth is funny. I've been obsessed with this movie since 2004, so finding you was like... Smart man. Yeah. It was like (laughs) the greatest. You were so nice. Thank you. We met on the Paramount lot. Thank you. You were shooting Super Ninjas. So we're talking about whether or not you directed The Room. Okay, here is the truth. Let's get it out there. I own this. I directed The Room. The Room. Which is the name of your book. Yes, I directed The Room. Go look for it and buy it. We'll have a link on the website, proudlyresents.com slash Sandy, where you'll find a link to the old interview and how to buy the book and how to listen to this thing you're listening to right now. Assuming I can get somebody under the age of 20 to help me out on Facebook because I blow at it. You say you directed The Room because... Because I directed The Room. I think a great question at all times is, Sandy, what didn't you direct? That's a great question. Thank you, Adam. What I didn't direct was the second unit in San Francisco, and I think that was some jogging, uh, the yogurt and the flour, the high doggy, and that was it for San Francisco. And in L.A., while I was there every single day, on the morning of the last day, I drove away because I had saved Tommy's two love scenes for the last day of shooting. 
I'm willing to bet that almost anybody would drive away on the morning of that last day. So you didn't want to be on the set at all? I had done what every director does. I gave Tommy the three rules that any director is going to give any actor who's about to have a love scene. Tommy argued and fought me on every single rule. The last one is an unforgivable rule. And I took one look at his face on the final day of shooting, realized that I was absolutely wasting my time. I have made a commitment to myself. I will never direct pornography. I have done questionable shit in my life, but I will never direct pornography. I drove away to avoid directing pornography. What are the three rules? Well, the three rules are, number one, that robe does not come off until we are about to shoot. I don't care how perfect you think your ass is, that robe does not come off until we're ready to shoot. Rule number two, you will keep a sock on that thing at all times. Like every male actor in the history of film, you're going to do a love scene. If it's not pornography, that better have a sock on it. I don't want myself or anybody in my crew to actually have to see that thing. I know I wasn't there, but I had my crew that was there telling me about all the lovely things they got to see about Tommy. Rule number three. I'll get serious for just a second. Rule number three is unshakable and unbreakable. I had a 19-year-old girl actress to protect. I had a young girl. It is the job of every director and first AD, but the director, you protect your actress at all times. I am a consummate gentleman, and I am honorable. I wanted to protect Juliet. You do not ever try and actually have sex on set. Tommy fought me on this. I walked. I have no idea what actually happened under those sheets and blankets and whatnot, but it looks awfully questionable to me. Well, I mean, part of the thing is that it looks like he's... He is fucking her navel. Yes, that's true. Seth Rogen, maybe. I'm not sure. Oh, you were played by Seth Rogen in the movie. I was played by Seth Rogen in The Disaster Artist. As I've just explained, I walked rather than direct Tommy's love scenes. Seth Rogen is playing me in that room involved in directing Tommy's love scenes. I am really mad at Seth for this. This is an out-and-out lie. I wasn't there. Nor was I on the sidewalk at the end of the movie, fawning and waiting for Tommy and his limo to drive. To drive up, Tommy made a very, very clear point of letting me know, Sunday, you are not welcome at my premiere. You must not show up. So I did not show up. I was not in the audience cheering on Tommy. I would bet that well, they played the movie as if Tommy discovered he had made a comedy at the premiere. Well, they cut like <laughs> two or three years. Yeah. It's a two-hour movie. It's I don't movie. even think Tommy still understands that I made a comedy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think... Kind of sad and pathetic. All right, well, let's... I mean, there's a couple things we want to get into, of course. Well, let's talk about Seth Rogen, because I will... No, first, you have, you, to, first you have to say that, Sandy, oh my God, you lost 70 pounds? You look I amazing. Less. Thank you. Thank okay, you. let's yeah, move on. All right, good. <laughs> you've got to say Adam you've lost the oh, game 70 pounds this matters to me I worked very hard no you that. look great thank you yes so, that. Um, thinner than Seth <laughs> well we're in the, you're in the back house and the front house is a friend of yours that worked on the- I am feeling I'm doing a lot of writing right now and a writer needs silence I don't know about other writers some guys go and they sit in coffee shops I can't do that 
I need minimal distractions and I need quiet. I got caught in between moving to a new house or searching for a new house and a film that was being shot in Montana, The Ballad of Lefty Brown. It's awesome. And at that moment, I had to leave, so I threw everything in my own and my life in storage and moved into Dina Curry's guest house. Dina shot stills on the room and is still one of my best friends. This guest house makes me feel like Ernest Hemingway. It's quiet. It's solitude. It's, it's got food, and it's got everything I need and gorgeous nature. So I'm living in a guest house no, for a while. No, it's great. But I just want to establish the room connection yes. to it. I'm, in, I'm in a room. The director of the room is living in a room. Wow. Art imitates life. Well, let's talk about the director part. Well, okay, here, your, your let's talk here. about the director part. So, technically, because the movie even, hi, come on in. Come on in, Dina. Hi, hi. Dina. Hi, everybody. Hi. Yes, that was Dina, sultry and sexy at all times. So, ask me. In the movie, The Disaster Artist, Sandy is directing the room in the movie. Am I? Yeah, he's saying, well, he's saying what Am you said I? to me before. I mean, all right. All right. My reaction to be playing. To be played by Seth Rogen. Here is my reaction. I was not treated badly in the movie. No, you treated I was background, and I was color, and I made a lot of jokes. But still, it's all a lie. It is. Everything Seth did playing me, none of it actually happened. So while I was portrayed reasonably well, and nothing too much to bitch about there, everything he did about me was a lie. I know. It's a little bit weird. It was a little bit freaky to me to, for me to watch it. Why is I, that? I am watching somebody playing me, somebody speaking or attempting to speak with my voice, uh, attempting to say the words that I said. Well, on the room, I was the director, the first AD, and the script supervisor. In other words, as any filmmaker would understand, I was dead center in the shitstorm at all times. Seth did not play me there that way. He played me more like a, uh, a background character who was just present and made jokes. I'm not exactly sure how I feel about this. Well, lies. All right, so we had talked before. You said, I'm the director because I called action, mm-hmm. uh, stop, whatever direction, the opposite of this action. This is the definition of a director. Okay. Well, you say action and cut, of course. That's the Cut's the word part. I was looking for. Yes. This is yeah, why I'm cut, not a director. Cut is the word that, uh, that Tommy searches for, too. Their, their words are action and stop. No, Tommy, they're action and cut. Jesus Christ, could you get that correct? Um, a director does two other things. You design the shots and the sequence of the shots, and you tell the actors what to do and to block the scene. You can be a writer with no experience, and you can be a producer with no experience, and God help us all, you can actually be an actor with no experience. But you cannot direct a movie with no experience. Even if you're making a $10 movie in your, in your father's garage in high school, you still have to know how to shoot the pieces that can be cut together. You still have to have an overall rhythmic flow of the material from beginning to end. You have to make it all fit together. It is not... A panoply of 800 photos being hooked together. No, it has to tell a story. Arguably, the story on the room was extremely elusive and difficult to find. When Huffington Post asked me, Sandy, what's this movie that you directed about? Truthfully, 
I have no fucking idea. Well, you didn't have the script, right? You didn't have the. Full I never script. had a script. Tommy has hammered and bashed me online a thousand times. Sandy is lying. No, Sandy is not lying. Sandy doesn't lie. But all right, but Sandy, I never had a script. What so, I would get, I'd get two or three pages every morning. And then I would have to figure out how to do those pages. Most directors, they actually have a script to work off and they prep. They go, okay, tomorrow I have to shoot the big, uh, the big volcano scene and I'm going to get all the volcano things, the actors, and you figure out your shooting plan. For me, this was a tremendous amount of fun. I would show up on, the, on set, I'd get my pages, and I would have to instantaneously problem solve. I am such a dead man. I have got to figure out a way. How am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to shoot. What am I doing today? A rooftop in San Francisco? You're fucking kidding me, right? What shall I do? Pull San Francisco out of my ass? No. You three guys, you go get me six cans of green paint. You guys get me three sheets of plywood. Go into Burns and Sawyer. Grab me three silk screens that are in green. Decorate them over there. You guys go over to that pot prop shop on La Brea. Get me a brick wall. We'll shoot it and get me a doorway to a rooftop and that's it i loved that part i never laughed so hard in my life as when i was directing the room it stopped being funny six years later but what about (laughs) hear me out yes technically yes you organize that you so call uh, action and the word you say cut and you had the sets made and you had you told the actors where to stand and what to do how to now does it matter though that you did it why does it matter why what did what what did tommy hand me he hand me a sheet of paper with names and the words they say. That's it. Where do these words happen? What are these actors doing when they are saying these words? Where is this going on in the story? What is this all about? No, I never had any of that. I would get a page of names and words. And the words would make as much sense as lamp parakeet laptop sandy no. I mean, I, I had actors crowding around me constantly can you make this make sense? No, I can't really make it make sense, and I kind of like how weird it is, but I will help you put it in noun, verb, adjective, order. Thank you. And then Tommy would yell at me for messing with his script. All in good fun. Why does it matter now or then or that you get the credit for director? Why do I want credit for being the director of the worst film ever made? Let's correct that immediately. Is this the worst film ever made? No, of course not. The worst from Overmade is sitting in a can in somebody's basement in Peoria, and nobody has ever seen it. Did when you the direct movie, that movie in Peoria? No. Okay. Just double, I want to when sure. you direct a movie that is seen by over 50 million people, you have directed a success. Worst movie ever made? No. Hardly. Weirdest? Most bizarre? Most unusual or eccentric? Absolutely. And I will say another thing. I heard Greg Sestero once make some comment about claiming to be the director of this is like claiming to be the engineer of the Hindenburg. Exactly right. The Hindenburg was the finest airship of its day. It was a modern marvel. It crossed the Atlantic Ocean and didn't need to be refueled. Yes, I directed the room. I directed all of it exactly the way I wanted to. I would like to get credit for directing a movie that has been seen by over 50 million people. I don't know. I kind of call that a success, wouldn't you? Somebody goes and sees your movie 50 times, dresses like your characters, and throws spoons at the screen. God, I love that. This is a successful movie. And I made it that way. But 
No one person ever makes a movie. It is a group effort. That's why there's 800 credits at the end of the movie. When you direct a movie, you need faces on the camera, you need good direction, and you need staging and blocking. I had Tommy Wiseau's face, for the love of God. I had his voice. You did not. Yeah, I did. And I had dialogue. Okay, I can work with that. Now, I'm going to make this dialogue and these actors and that face as funny as I possibly could. That's my job. Well, let me ask you, were you doing that as a goal to make an airplane-style movie? Yes. Or because you, were, you had this gig and you were just getting right. through the job? Because it's a First vanity of all, project. I understand. And I had a lot of people asking me this. First of all, let me just say kudos. Not as well, but... Let me just say kudos to Tommy. Uh-huh. Tommy, I would love to give him one big, giant compliment. This guy rolled in from Europe, and he got a movie made. With New Orleans. Do you have... <laughs> New Orleans, really? Okay, and he's still 19, too. You have the most difficult thing in the world to do, and that's to make a movie in Los Angeles. It's almost impossible. Tommy pulled it off. Good for him. Writer, director, producer. Do not ever come on, come, claim that you were also the, the director. You are not. You don't know how to direct. That's why I got called on the very day that you started shooting. Because you had all this equipment. You had a DP and a low-budget crew. Of course, none of them had ever actually worked before. But you had no idea, no clue how to do this and put this together. So Raphael called his friend Sandy who's been working as a script supervisor, director, and writer for over 25 years, uh, 15 years at that point, and asked me, could you please, for the love of God, come down to Burns and Sawyer and save my ass? And I did. And I had a lot of fun doing it. What happened on day one? I was actually shooting within one hour of being interviewed by Tommy. Unbelievable. I loved every second of that. First thing that happened is I walk onto the stage with my DP, Raphael. And we close the elephant doors. Those are the big doors in the front. It's just the two of us. Okay, for the first 10 minutes, we laughed our asses off. After that, my DP turns to me and he says what any DP says to every director. So, how do you want to do this? Oh, God, how do I want to do this? Raphael, we're going to do Rebel Without a Cause. His response, perfect. What does that mean? Every filmmaker in Los Angeles, in the world, knows when you say, let's do it like Rebel Without a Cause, this means you're going to make a movie that's primarily master shots. Coverage? Oh, please, dear God, coverage is not going to happen with six actors that had never really acted on camera before. I'm going to go for master shots. I'm going to tell this story the way I want to tell it. I'm going to make it as funny as I possibly can. And by the way, my movie, The Room, well, every scene in there, every shot in there is pretty much 20 takes or more. Take one. Lisa, you are tearing me apart. No, Tommy, that's not big enough. Okay, Lisa, you are... No, I need them to hear you on La Brea Boulevard. Okay, that's how you get the big, giant, memorable line. You know how you get Tommy to say, I did not hit her, I did not... Oh, hi, Mark. It has nothing to do with what you saw in the Franco Rogan movie. Absolutely nothing. It's pretty fucking hilarious how I got Tommy to actually look up before he said, hi, Greg. What I had are 15 takes of him staring in the ground going, oh, hi, Mark. And then looking up, no, no, Tommy, dude. You actually need to see him before you say hi to him. 
Tommy never did quite figure this out. The way I got him to jump up and say, oh, hi, Mark. You got to read about it in my book. Really? It's fucking hilarious. But I don't need to watch. (laughs) But yeah, I would have killed that the instant it came out of his mouth and I wouldn't have had him leaning on the bed. I took out a lot of that stuff in this movie. There is definitely, I point no fingers and it could have happened by accident. What do you mean? There is an element of pedophilia to this movie. There is an element of, of weirdness that was etching into an area that made me very uncomfortable. With the boy jumping in the bed? With way more than that. In fact, it's all the things you don't see. Every time it happened, every time Tommy wanted it, I killed it. Well, let's talk about what we can't talk about. When yes, you, sir. When you found out they were making this movie, what did you think? I took the high road for 14 years. I work on very professional sets with very professional people. I get crap for directing the room on every show I'm on, every project I work on for 14 years. I usually work with a podium. And for 14 years, when I open my podium, ho, 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 it's filled with plastic spoons. Wow, what a great joke. You must be the first guy that ever thought of that. I love it. The room is an interactive movie. Up until, well, up until I heard that Franco was going to make a movie about this, I took the high road. It was living in the cult world. I didn't really care. Yeah, I would have liked to have had that directing credit because any producer in Los Angeles, holy shit, you, you did that with the room? Well, don't you oh think my, that would hurt you? Oh, my God. What, just imagine what you could do for our script. Uh-huh. Right? But it's, but it's famous for being the worst movie ever made. And got, now you want... I got it noticed. This is all any director ever wants. How do I get my movie noticed? Uh-huh. I got it noticed. I, there are very few people, I think, that could have put that together in such a way that it would have been noticed, that it would have been seen. There were many elements that contributed to that. My direction in making a funny movie. Tommy's face on a billboard. Tommy's unbelievable voice. His eccentricities. All of these things roll in together to make a successful movie. When, the room is now being used at USC, UCLA, every film school in America because people are at a loss. You know what? I would venture to guess that every single director on the planet Earth would kill to figure out how to make a movie that could be seen by 50 million people or more. Uh-huh. This, by any stretch of the imagination, is a successful movie. There is no other way to look at it. Why is it a success? In a great large part, the way I directed it. Tommy's face, the voice, there are a lot of elements. I'll never take sole credit like Tommy does. When I found out that James Franco and Seth Rogen were making a movie about this, this is never going to go away. The room will never, ever go away. I called Seth's office at least a dozen times. I called Franco's office a dozen times. I know these people. They are my colleagues. Nobody talked to me. Nobody ever wanted to talk to me. Adam, let me ask you a question. You got a mic in your hand. It's my turn to ask a question. You get a phone call that an actor, a famous actor, is going to play you worldwide, going to speak with your name, speak with your voice, say words that everybody on the planet is going to attribute to you. Oh, Here's the caveat. They never, ever want to talk to you. 
how would you feel, Adam? Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think, you know, every actor is different. Lenny Bruce, um, Dustin Hoffman played Lenny Bruce without even watching a tape of him and played him. Correct. Doesn't. So Seth Rogen, who I love. Me too. Great guy, great actor. Me too. Plays characters as many great actors as Seth Rogen as Sandy. Right. As, so he so, wasn't going to he wasn't going to do a James Franco and no. become you. No. That's just not him. Not at all. But if it was Franco, I would be shocked if he didn't come to, you know. Correct. Or um oh, another actor like that. Correct. I agree with everything you just said. Every word of it. All right. So Seth Rogen is going to play me and I have absolutely no idea what he's going to say about me. There have been nothing but lies about me online, on the internet, in magazines, articles, a million lies about me. Now they're going to make a movie and not talk to me. I have one solution. I have only one recourse. There's only one thing I can do. I have to write a book and set the record straight. Why else would I write a book about the room? Everybody's telling this story and absolutely nobody is telling it correctly. There is nobody telling the truth. I could have made their movie a whole lot funnier because, frankly, only the truth is really funny. I, I wrote a book. There's a lot of funny stories in the book. Yeah, yes. You know, I you, directed the room. What an original title, huh? Hilarious. It's hilarious. You did not mention My publisher everything. told me they were having trouble getting it out because everybody there was reading the book and they were not working. They were laughing. Yes, it's very funny. Yeah, so in the book, you talk about how you try to reach out to Seth Rogen and you did finally talk to him, right? No. You never talked to him. Briefly. No, we never spoke. Uh, dozens of emails. He answered one of them with one sentence, talk to the screenwriter. And, of course, that was an, effort, an exercise in absolute futility. No phone call returned. Nobody ever wanted to meet with me. Nobody ever wanted to talk with me. That was it. So I was frozen out of their production completely. Even to this day, nobody returns a phone call to me. Did you go to the premiere? Of course not. I wasn't invited. I was told to stay away. Nobody wants me anywhere near this. Why? Will you be at the Oscars? No, of course not. Why are they doing everything they can to keep me away from this? Will you be at the Blockbuster Awards? No. Okay. Why do you think? I have the truth. They're keeping me away because I represent the truth. The truth There is one myth perpetuated above all others. Tommy Wiseau. I am the director of the room. I can't even turn on a TV channel. I can't go anywhere on the internet. I can't read any magazine without hearing of the brilliant and creative direction of Tommy Wiseau. I don't know if people are saying that. Yeah, they are. I have a million people sending me these But if you're watching the movie, and in the movie, Seth Rogen... Is not directing. You no, know, he calls action. He calls cut. A couple He's of telling times. people to stand. Yeah. He do- so when I'm watching the movie, because yeah. we had talked and you had okay, said... Okay, so you tell me. When you're watching the movie, are you feeling that Sandy Schlair is directing this yes. movie? Yes. Really? That's what the feeling I got. Because From what your definition, when we mm. talked was, because Tommy had said to you and Bernard Story, I want you to say action. I want you to say mm-hmm. cut. I want you to tell people to stand. And that's what Seth does in the movie, mm-hmm. what Sandy yeah. does in the movie. Kind of. So where did you see the movie? I saw... <laughs> How drunk were you? I wanted to see it in a matinee all by myself. I brought my notepad. I brought a pen that actually lights up when you use it. I wanted to get an unvarnished reaction. The movie had theater. It was early afternoon, middle of the week, had maybe 30 people in there. The movie ended. The house lights came up. I jumped out of my feet and yelled at the entire audience that nobody was allowed to leave. 
They looked at me like I was an alien terrorist until I explained, oh, by the way, I'm Sandy Schlair. At which point, as hard as it is to believe, you would have thought Martin Scorsese was standing in front of them going, hi, I would like to answer questions. I got mobbed. And then I took it out to the lobby and got mobbed by people coming out of other theaters. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You're Sandy Schlair. Yeah, I am. I just got lied about by Seth Rogen, and you're all kind of liking it. All right. I've been lied about for 14 years. It's really hard for me to continue being lying about. Adam, maybe I'm a little touchy on all this. I probably am. Very sensitive. Adam says it looks like I directed the movie. I love that. I want everybody to know that, yes, I did direct this movie. I'm the guy that figured out how to shoot a football game in the parking lot with tuxedos. How do you do that? You panic, mostly. Tommy, please, man, tell me once and for all, why? Why do they always have to carry a football? Oh, because Sandy. That's what real men do. Aha. Okay. Tommy Wiseau has his finger on the pulse of the American male. I knew it. I absolutely knew it. What are some of the scenes that they cut, the Denny scenes that... General, I mean, I can't remember. What, what, what was if the they showed up in front of me? I just put big lines through it and just didn't shoot it. I would just change it. I would just cut around. Uh, I shoot around it. I am not going to shoot anything even remotely like pedophilia. What I did have people ask me a bunch of times is, why the hell would you shoot a conversation between Denny and Juliet on the floor behind a chair near the front door? Easy answer. It was lit. I had also seen every other square inch of that room when Tommy walked up to me and said, oh, yes, by the way, Juliet and Denny have to have a conversation. Really? What are they going to do? Magically hover in the air above the rest of the scene? We would have seen them in every other shot. Oh, unless they were sitting on the floor behind that chair. Okay, light it up over there. We'll shoot it over there. I directed the room. So the movie is coming out in January. In 600... Oh! Do you know that? I'm not the, I just read about something today. The room is getting a massive re-release. It'll probably get a massive re-release. And the, f- the first name under the director card is going to be Tommy Wiseau. Now, is there, a P- is there a DGA thing with that? or It's a non-union movie. I could, I suppose, go into a lengthy legal battle with Tommy, which I do not ever want to do with anybody. How unpleasant is that? And I could make a case that the copyright on this movie is mine. I don't care if you paid every penny on it. I directed it. I really could make a case that that movie is mine. Like any director on earth. I don't care who produced it, who paid the bills. I don't care who wrote it, who did any of it. Who was on set designing shots, telling the actors what to do, saying action and cut, and making the movie. That was me. See, I don't know if anyone's denying that. That's, I would love that to be true. You know I what would I mean? stop and being think, angry at Seth Rogen. No, but I think the movie showed you and Raphael and, and the other people doing that and Tommy not doing that. You know, Raphael was only there for 13 days. Not according to the movie. Yeah, you I guys know. were fired. I know. He called you in and fired no, you No, I never got fired. Nobody ever got fired. Tommy was grateful to have everybody there. Um, oh, Dina wants to say something. Hi, I'm Dina Corey, and I was a still photographer. I just wanted to say something in reference to um, 
the the movie that it is the, the disaster artist and the the original movie the room i think it's different when you're working in the room um and you've had that experience and you've seen the movie um it it, it really doesn't translate very well so it's so there're two different realities you know yeah, working yeah. working and witnessing that that whole um you know 2002 making of the movie and a remake of it i mean it's different you you have to be part of the crew is I mean, it funnier from no, three feet away or is it no, funnier no, on really an 80 funny. foot screen it's really amazing and funny when we were doing it uh, hey dina who directed the room I mean, come on, Sandy. There's that's a no-brainer. Uh, you Thank did. you. You did. Hey, Dina, did Tommy Hi, ever give you instructions on who and what to shoot? Oh, absolutely. Really? Um, what I were your instructions? I was not allowed to shoot the crew. I was not allowed to shoot Sandy directing. The you know um, the slate always had his name on, not Sandy's name. And but when I saw the disaster artist, absolutely. Franco did an amazing, amazing, brilliant. amazing job. Brilliant. I don't know, brilliant. Nobody could have ever captured Tommy the way he did. You're correct. Um, Franco deserves an Oscar. But uh, I, I was in the theater, and I didn't go see it with Sandy. I went um, in North Hollywood on a late night, and the people started laughing when they were looking at the movie, and I found it really, really hard to laugh i just thought it was kind of pathetic actually it was it was sad sad. and it was pitiful and you know our experience was very very different but um i i chuckled a few times at in the middle at the end but um it's a different take on what we experienced it's the relationship between greg sestero and tommy we um it's about friendship it's about perseverance um, our experience was a lot different. Well, I mean, they really captured the characters. Sandy's Hawaiian shirt, which he wore every day, and Tommy and and Greg, and I loved that part. And the brick wall at uh, Burns and Sawyer, and just mayhem and havoc and all of that. So that that was wonderful. I'm not going to take anything away from that. You know, when you're working on it, and I'm sure if you ask other crew members, it's really different. Our experience was a lot funnier. This was sad. And if you read the book, you, I think the book by far will be remembered. What, what, what book, Dina? What's the name of it? The book, yes, I directed The Room by Sandy Schler. I illustrated it. Who did the illustrations? I did, I did, I did. Oh, Dina did the illustrations. <laughs> you know. So, to wrap it all up, working on The Room 2002 was when we shot it, and watching the movie were completely two different experiences for me. Hey, you know, (laughs) here, Sandy. Well, if it's not Seth Rogen, who do you want to play you? I think Seth Rogen is the absolute perfect choice to play me. (laughs) I think so, too. Absolutely. He sounds like me. We Uh look alike. I'm thinner now. Ha. Um, I love Seth Rogen's characters. I love everything he and Franco have done. I really do. They are consummate filmmakers, which is why it absolutely freaked me out 
that they never wanted to talk to me about the character they were playing. It does start to make sense when you start really thinking about it. They had to get some kind of permission, I am sure, some legal permission or right from Tommy Wiseau to feature the movie that he produced. Let us never forget. Yeah, I'm the director, and yeah, I may have a copyright thing, but no director ever owns a movie. You may own a piece of it, which I probably do somehow. Tommy Wiseau is the owner of the room. He is the producer. He gets to call the shots. I am sure he made some kind of deal. I have no proof. Please don't anybody yell at me. I am guessing that there is a deal in place that Sandy Schlair must never, ever be allowed to speak to anybody involved in this show. Now, James Franco and Seth Rogen made an announcement on their set. How do I know this? I'll tell you how I know this. They asked everybody in that huge crew, are any of you friends with Sandy Schlier? Does anybody meet and talk with him regularly? Well, there was a 100%. No, we don't even know him. Yeah, about that, I probably would get four or five calls every single night from their set. I am the filmmaker here. I do know every crew guy in town. They were all calling me with nightly reports about what was said, what wasn't said, what jokes were being made behind my back. I actually had a couple of them called, would you like us to walk off this movie now? No, of course not. Earn your paycheck, support your families. Just let me know what's going on. And they did. I think after the seventh, eighth, ninth phone call, whatever, to to, uh, the production office, uh, Seth Rogen started making jokes about me on set about how many times I'm calling them and how frustrated I must be. This is a fact. This happened. I don't know how I feel about that. They're making jokes about me on the set about stealing my name. Yay, he played me fine. He looks like me. He sounds like me. I'm a little mad that they never talked to me. I would have loved to have talked to him. I have a million anecdotes that are not in Greg's book. Uh, Greg's book plays a little fast and loose with things, too. Am I mad at Greg? Mm, Not until I heard the Hindenburg comment. Uh, Prior to that, I do like Greg. Uh, Greg is a very interesting person. I do like him. Greg is absolutely and completely caught between Tommy and a hard place. Between a rock and a Tommy, I don't know how that works best. But he is. He's trapped in there. I have a lot of forgiveness for that. I do not like lies being told about me. Even, who does? Even even if they're harmless and even if they don't make me look bad, they're still lies. I would have loved the disaster artist if they had just kept me out of the sex scene with Juliet and kept me out of their premiere at the end of the movie. I was not there for very specific reasons. Putting me there... It says things about me that are absolutely not true, and it does say a little bit about my character. That's why I got angry. I walked off that movie because I was not going to let Juliet be abused in a sex scene. Well, look how that turned out. Somebody ought to ask Juliet what happened to her life after that. I happen to know what that story is, and it is not a happy one. Maybe I should have been there on the last day. I don't know. I've had mixed feelings about it. What else could you have done? Do you ever think about that? Yeah, I know what I could have done. I had to, could have had the grips beat the crap out of Tommy. They would have. Every guy on that set is a good guy. Because he was trying to have sex with her on, on the set. I'm not going to make any claims here that I didn't see with my own eyes. I have suspicions. 
I suspect things. I have been told stories by all of my friends on that crew. You think I would ever have a problem proving to the world that I directed this movie? No. The cast, the crew, the employees of Burns and Sawyer, my friends who visited. No. There's no doubt I directed the room. Seth's portrayal of me was really passive. Background, cracking jokes only. Okay, fine. None of that is the true. I was in the center of things at all times. But artistic license is one thing. Freedom of speech is another thing. I'm a little unhappy about how they played me. But overall, it's... It's a pretty good movie. We'll just be get a couple of clear. We don't know what happened on set because ne- neither one of us were there. So we, we were not know. there, so we don't know. I will never make claims about things yeah, that yeah. happened when I wasn't there. Uh, but also, Dina made a point about the movie that the disaster artist was about. Uh, James. It's not about me. It's I about mean, these, there. It's about their two men's relationship. It's the relationship between Tommy Wiseau and Greg Sestero, right? And, and perseverance and all those other wonderful qualities. And like I said, kudos to Tommy. No. I don't want to take any but of that, that away so from Tommy. So it wasn't about... About me? No. Or about really about the film. It was about but them. But you know what? Uh-huh. It's also about the making of The Room. It is. If The Room didn't get not, made... Not their version. Their version right. of the book. Right, the right, book right. is about the making of The Room. The version of the book is their own vision, which is a bromance between these two guys. Correct. All you served the story of this bromance. Correct. Of Greg becoming a real man at the mm-hmm. end and helping his friend and not being selfish. Yes. Would there have been a book or a movie about Greg and Tommy without the room? No, of course not. It requires that movie to launch this into the public eye. Why would a movie about Greg and Tommy ever make a penny? Why would anybody see it? Well... Because of the 50 million fans that watch the okay, room. Well, let's, because I just feel like we're, we're going in circles. And Are we? No, okay, sorry. No one in this room is disagreeing with you. Right. So, you're all right. right. What I'm now, sensitive. you're sensitive. It's a safe place. This is your, you live here. Yeah. So, okay, so we all say, well, now well, what? Well, see, so that's, that was my point on that, and it's really not circling. All of this has to do with the room. All of it. So, what would you want to happen next? I would have liked to show that they had hired me in an one of the funniest moments of my entire life in the prep room at Burns and Sawyer, it looked nothing like the movie. It was one of the funniest moments of my entire life. Right. It should have had more of the facts that actually happened and not made up things that didn't. The actual facts are funnier. I got a bug up my ass because my name got taken without my permission. Okay. That's, there it is. There my it is. name, my work got taken without anybody ever asking me. And before you get mad at me for that, all of my friends who are listening, Before you get mad at me, why don't you ask yourselves how you would feel if somebody decided to play you in a movie that's going to be seen around the world, but they never want to talk to you. You know what you'd do about that? You'd write a book. Now, we have a question from Art Wheeler, one of the longtime listeners, big fan of the show, of this show, not your show. Art Wheeler. Hello, Art. He drove uh, way out to see your film. Oh, thank you, Art. Much appreciated. No. Well, he talks about you leaving before the sex scene and how you're in the mood. So we've talked about that agnostic art. Way to bring that up. Way to listen, Art. Um, what was the scene that you were responsible for? That Can you talk about a scene that you were responsible for in the room? Yeah, now, all of them. <laughs> Every well, one of them. We had talked last time with the funny scene about the, I asked you why the TV set was turned around and you said so we couldn't see the camera. Is there another thing you can point out in the movie? Well, it's... T- 
Okay, I devoted an entire chapter to the rooftop scene. Holy crap. All right. Mother and daughter. I had, and by the way, you should ask your filmmaker friends, mother-daughter is an old film term that nobody is allowed to actually say on set ever again without producers and lawyers freaking out. Go ask your film friends. When a DP says, what's next, and the director says, mother-daughter, go ask your film friends what that actually means. I think you'll laugh about that, too. So, I had mom and I had the daughter sitting at that table endlessly, over and over, oh my God. I had a lamp, and I had two chairs, and I had a couple of kids who were my art department. And I turned to the art department, who are eating their lunch. Boys, put something on that table. We don't have anything to put on the table. Put your damn sandwich on the table. I don't care. Uh, Okay, I got a marketing, a frame with marketing photos in it. So? Well, it's, it's a picture of plastic silverware. So fucking what? Put it on the table. It won't make sense. It won't make sense. Where the hell have you been for the last three weeks? Nothing makes sense here. Uh, okay, put it on the table. Okay, at that moment, my DP, I think maybe Raphael was in the saddle or... Raphael was only there for 13 days and then he was gone. Uh, he was just there for the 30-day return policy. And when the 30 days ran out, Raphael was gone. And a new DP walked in who doesn't want me to mention his name because he's embarrassed. Um... I put that spoon photo on the table. Who the hell knew I would be making an interactive movie at that point? And thank you. I love that. In Pittsburgh, I joined the audience. I threw the spoons. I screamed at the characters. What a slot! I did it all. I had such a good time. The spoons. All right. On a couple of those passes, my DP and very good friend... As he passed the spoons, he did a little pushing on them and then went to the other character. You know what? I don't care what you've heard about cavemen spoons and evolutionary spoons. It was a joke. It was a joke for my DP to me. He pushed in on the spoons, and I laughed. Who the hell knew that would be cut into the movie? And they did. And I'm glad they did, because I bring spoons with me to the movie theater when I see it, too. Spoons! And then we all throw our spoons. It was nothing. It was just a joke. Is that what you wanted to know? You can read real details about that in my book. Have you talked to Tommy? Well, Tommy likes to say that Sandy never talked to me. No, Sandy tried calling you dozens of times. Sandy sent emails to you. And because I'm not an idiot, I kept copies of everything. Wouldn't you? So what's next for you? What do you want it? Well, I had a movie I was going to be directing in January. But over the last few days, I had a massive falling out with my extremely fearful producers who are a little worried about the fallout from the disaster artists in the room and decided they need a new director. I take this highly personal. I got extremely angry. I said, well, I said a few inappropriate things and I'm looking for another project now. Now, did you that project come around because of the room? This no. Director, no. That project came around because three guys that I trusted were looking for a director. I'm a director now. Hello. Yeah. So I am kind of on my own. And if any producers are listening to this and you want the guy that did that with the room, oh, my God. Imagine what I can do for your script. Hmm? Oh, yes. I got a TV series I'd like to sell to Amazon and Hulu. Do I want to say the name of it? No. I don't want anybody stealing that name, even though I registered it. I have a TV series that I'd like to sell. I've, I've got a pilot. It's called Real 
Hollywood. R-E-E-L. Can you believe it? Nobody has ever registered that name before. That's, I, can't, that I was stunned, and I, it's mine now. I own Real Hollywood. How about that? I wrote a pilot off of that, and the, uh, the TV series is about two characters very similar to Sam and Diane from Cheers, only in this case, one, we will, we will always keep them unrequited lovers because that's how you kill a TV series is getting your stars together. It's about a low-budget production company on a low-budget lot. They shoot commercials. They shoot little tiny low-budget promotionals and features. It's about us. This stuff is really funny. I got 10 trillion stories from set and so do my friends. It's the kind of things you die laughing about, but the public never knows what goes on. One of the reasons we love working 18 hours a day, yeah, the work is hard. Every day is different. And sometimes the absolute most outrageous things happen. When I was working on The Devil's Rejects for Rob Zombie, we had finished a really bloody day. That's in quotes, by the way. Really bloody day. The art department guy looks at the, the one of the drivers and said, oh, yeah, stop it, Coyote. We're going to need another barrel of blood on set tomorrow. Where else on earth do you ever get to hear something like that? We need another barrel of blood on set. Oh, my God. And we used it all and needed another one. That was a really bloody movie. Blood is primarily made of caro syrup on movies. My feet were sticking to every floor I, and every place I went to for weeks. All of us did. It was very funny. How was it working with Rob Zombie? I love Rob. I know his real name. Um, I More love Rob Zombie. He's very creative. He knows exactly what he wants. He's a, he's a pretty good director. I enjoyed being his script supervisor. Huh? Yeah, it was good to me. Um, after The Disaster Artist in my 30-year career, it was one of the two best rap parties of my life. It lasted about 52 hours. <laughs> I remember some of it. And all I can say is Andy Gould is one hell of a producer. Thank you, Andy. Great. So, Sandy, another question. Anything. Do you, when you're on set, what is the one thing everyone should wear? Uh, t-shirts and sweats. If you the Hawaiian shirt was because Raphael called me to come immediately down to Burns and Sawyer. Trust me, you got to come down here right now. Oh my God, we're dying. I was floating in my swimming pool, drinking margaritas. Fine. He begged. He pleaded. I argued. I fought. He said the magic words. Trust me. I hate that. And I did. I jumped in my car. I was still wearing my bathing suit on that first day, and all I grabbed was the Hawaiian shirt that was hanging over the fence. We decided I needed to direct every day in that movie wearing a Hawaiian shirt. And I actually managed to pull it off, which is ridiculous. I don't wear them anymore. Wearing- <laughs> no yeah, white, never no. wear white and never be naked. Boy, those rules got broken in a No, hurry. in the movie, the Zest Artist, uh, James Franco's walking around with a sock. Yes. On his penis. Yes. But you, so you're saying he, you weren't I there. wasn't there. I don't have the facts, but I heard an awful lot of things from friends of mine who were wandering around the set. Your mission is to get one of the O's people to confess the truth to you, and I doubt if they ever will. But you can try. Well, yeah, anyone's available. I'd love to talk to you. <laughs> and if you wrote a book, trust me, I'll plug it. You uh, want to know who's a great interview for you? Go ahead. I don't know what he's got to say. I fell in love with Dan Janjigian on this show. Denny, where's my fucking money? I have no idea what that scene was about at all. As he pulls a howitzer out and puts it in Phil's face. 
that was about the 20th take that made it to the movie because everything else collapsed in an, an uproar of laughter. That was really funny. And Dan, Dan has natural acting ability. It's a pity he's a computer specialist in Texas because Dan could actually have a career. He is played by Zac Efron, I think. Uh-huh. I'd be willing to bet that Dan could do a better job. I'm not well, kidding. Well, everyone played him with talent. total intensity and that he was... Was that the way he when was When I finally set? got that performance, inside I laughed my ass off. When I yelled cut, I absolutely died. He was extremely homicidal. I loved every second of it. Dan was wonderful. I wish he had been a different character that I could have used every day during that shoot. He was wonderful. I love Dan. Not that I'm slurring the rest, but Dan was wonderful. And why was it Chris R.? Why was what? Why is his name Chris R? Beats the hell out of me. I don't. <laughs> well, there's a but, million things I have no idea. Of. You know, you got to be cautious about asking questions on the room because the answer you're expecting, the entire realm of answers you're expecting, you are not ever going to get them. Tommy, dude, we really can't shoot a scene that includes breast cancer. Okay, this is bad. This is very, very serious. Oh, but Sandy, this is serious movie. How do you argue with logic like that? You, don't, you just give in to it. I always expected, as I said in my book, I was always expecting Rod Serling to step out from behind the corner and go, submit it for your approval. A psychotic movie being shot in Southern California. It would have been appropriate. Thank you, Sandy, for doing this interview. I'd like to thank Sandy and Dina for letting me record this at their house. And for Rick and Alexandra for setting this up. Now, do you think Sandy directed the room? And if so, so what? I mean, do you think it really makes a difference? Also, what did you think of the disaster artist? Big fan? Big fan of the room? Big fan of the disaster artist? Love to hear your take. Uh, go to proudlyresents.com Sandy for any last-minute show notes that didn't make the podcast and links to other The Room interviews like the one I did with Tommy Wiseau and Sandy's first interview. To uh, support the podcast, Proudly Resents, you can go to our website, proudlyresents.com slash shirts to buy shirts, or donate on the main page, proudlyresents.com. Share this episode or leave us a good review. Why not? Be a good person. Seriously. Sheesh. Share it with friends. And just a quick note, as of release time of this episode, the book was not up on Amazon, so if you go to the website, I put a link to his Facebook group for his book. Yes, I directed the room. So, uh, fingers crossed. Hold your breath. All right, thanks again. Later. Bye. Say thank you. Thank you, bye.